Welcome to Up Close with Chris Tinney. Don't forget to visit ChrisTinney.com for more information about today's topics and download the new Spread Peace app that makes it easy to take action and advocate for the causes you care about. And now, here's your host, Chris Tinney. Welcome to Up Close with Chris Tinney, and boy, do we have a great show for you today. We're going to be taking you on a wild ride. We're going to be sharing about communication with plants and earth, and then we're going to get into uh, electromagnetic fields, how it affects not only the whole planet, but how you can shift your consciousness by being familiar with energetic psychology. Now, how are we going to do that? Well, we have on the phone with us today Dr. Gerald Epling, who's an expert in memory formation. He's got a bachelor's degree in science, but a master's of science in applied cognition and neuroscience, a doctorate of philosophy in cognition and neuroscience, and he's done some incredible research. And And I, I've got to tell you, folks, you're in for a really great treat today. Before we get started, let me uh, share with you some things that we have going on. First of all, you can review any of the past shows or the upcoming shows or even listen to them live by going to christinney.com. There's a link there to the show where you can listen live. We've got a new phone app where you can download the phone app and actually have our shows pushed to you. You can find that phone app on, on uh, Google Play and, and iTunes. It's, uh, it, it's Spread Peace USA. That's the app. Because I wanted to make it more just not the show, but so that you can engage and take action after the show. Because this, this isn't about this one hour a week, folks. It's about creating a community online and off. So thank you to everybody that's joining our fan page at Chris Tinney on the fan page on Facebook and going to our website, getting our newsletter, and sharing these shows because they really matter. Now, this show is really amazing to me. I, I first uh, heard on the radio, I first heard Dr. Epling on Coast to Coast AM. He's been on dozens of them other than that. Uh, I had the opportunity to meet with him when there was a company working on creating a product that would help people increase their stem cells naturally with their own body. And I really have come to admire his work, but really enjoy it because it's actionable information that you can use today. He just posted a brand new article on bioexperience.com. That's bio, B-I-O, experience.com about electromagnetic fields. So if you've heard, seen him on TV or heard him on the radio before, you haven't heard what we've got coming today. And thank you so much for being with us, doctor. I think we should probably start this wild ride by, by laying a foundation of your work with plants and what they call phenomenal biocommunication, where you, you uh, duplicated some experiments and also showed that, that they were communicating with other life forms. Is that correct? That's correct. That's a great place to start. Sometime yeah, around well, why don't we start there? <laughs> okay, we'll do it. Around 2003 or 2004, I was a happy neuroscientist doing research, reading brain waves, seeing uh, affect, how people feel, their emotional state, things like that. And uh, I heard about Cleve Baxter. He was on Coast to Coast AM. And I, I had seen him earlier, years before on one of those shows, like I've Got a Secret or something like that. And he made a great impression on me then. But... This time on Coast to Coast AM, he had a book out. I could get his information and look at it. And I was a child when I saw him on television, but I was an adult and, you know, trained and had my doctorate. So I felt I could really wrap my mind around what he was doing. I got his book. I looked at the traces and and I thought he's either the best, most clever fabricator of data or this is real. And he comes to me as an honest person when I listen to him on the air. So I took time and I built an instrument that would give me the same sort of information that Cleve was getting. And I had an opportunity to correspond with him before he passed to make sure I was on the right track, getting the right uh, sort of instruments, the right signal levels, that kind of thing. Well, when I did this, I, I found that plants were responding just as he said, and that bacteria responded just as he said, and that it was very similar to the responses you get from people when they're under stress or when they're happy uh, or when various things are happening to people going through life. One of the first experiments that Baxter did, actually is the very first one, he had a Dracaena in his office in New York, and he thought, mm, I'll hook up the, uh, the machine to it. He had polygraph equipment, which gives some interesting artifacts you have to adjust for, but it was very sensitive equipment. Polygraph equipment's right on the edge of responding, so you don't need much action to really set it off. So he hooked the polygraph machine up to the Dracaena in his office, and he poured some water in the pot. And the Dracaena made a really wild, happy response. It, would, it looks just like what people do when they have a, a, an aha moment or a good feeling or joy, more like joy. 
then he did it a couple more times and the plant stopped responding. And he thought, wow, that's not fun. <laughs> so, yeah, so he thought, what can I do? And, and he thought, I know, I'll burn a leaf. The instant he thought about burning the leaf, the plant responded and it was not happy. It was freaking out. And so you mean when thought, he just thought about burning it, I mean when he actually burned it, or just when he thought about it? When he thought about it, wow. the instant he thought about it. That's so amazing. That is amazing. He went on and did uh, more research with chicken eggs. If you take a chicken egg and drop it in boiling water, it'll give you a nice response. Actually, not. Let me back up. If you have, say, a dozen eggs, you take one egg, hook it up to the instrument in your office, go take another egg drop it in boiling water. The instant you drop it in boiling water, the other chicken egg that's back in your office shows the response. Wow. Well, what, what, do you, what, what, do you, what do you think this means, doctor? Does this mean that, that you know, I, I like it. It warms my heart. I feel really good because I, I, you know, what we're laying the groundwork here is how we're all connected and how we all really, you know, people say we are one and they get all hippie about it. But, but the truth is <laughs> you're, you're, you're proving that we are all connected. Even with a thought, you're able to measure the response of a plant. What, what do these results mean to you? Uh, same thing they mean to you. We're all connected. The plants are connected to each other and the eggs are connected. Uh, life forms are connected and life matters. What happens to a life form matters to the other life forms. It's, it's huge. You can read about it, but when you see it with your own eyes and you've got the equipment and you replicate it, it's life-changing. It makes a shift in your consciousness. I was never quite the same in my looking at things after that. When I did well, the... Plant- I know as a vegan, I asked you about the plants. It's interesting that they almost have their role in the world, that they, they get upset when they're not treated right or one of their other plants in the room is not, or even in the other room, from what you were sharing with me, are not treated right. But when you actually eat them, they, they seem to... to enjoy nourishing you apparently that is my experience i grew some collard greens in my backyard when i was living in texas they grow very well there and i like to eat them so i would go pick leaves and eat them and i thought well i'll hook this instrument up to a new group of collards that i'm growing that i've never ripped a leaf off of before and see if they respond uh, and they didn't and i thought hmm well, okay, maybe my instrument's not quite right. So I, I got another instrument that was more uh, sensitive, but it would rise at DC levels or AC levels. So it was, it was, and made it awfully irritating buzzing noise when it responded. But I wanted to be able to hear it if I was in the house or the backyard. So I hooked this up to it and I ripped another leaf off and ate it. It's like, it's fine, no problem. I thought, that's odd. So I went in the house and I was looking for different electrodes, thinking, well, maybe I haven't got the right electrode material. And then I thought, you know, I'll burn a leaf. Cleve Baxter burned a leaf. And the instant I thought, I'll burn a leaf in my backyard, the instrument started responding. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. So mm, it was it's under no, stress. It's no wonder you... Uh, you started to branch out. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm going to take a break a little bit early here because I want to come back and begin moving into the, the new area, not new for you, but new for us, that you're talking about for the first time about your work with the electromagnetic fields and, and energetic psychology on how people can actually shift their consciousness. Before we do that, we're going to talk about stress, its effect on on your how long you live and how happy you are and uh, and some other things. So uh, do you mind staying on the line, Doctor? And we'll, we'll come back after this. I'll stay right here. All right. We'll be right back after this break. You're listening to Up Close with Chris Tinney. Today's guest, Dr. Gerald Epling. Would it be crazy if you just stopped everything, packed your bags and left for a week, a month, a year? What if you left for two years? Would people think you'd lost your mind? What if you were going far away to help in a village on the edge of the Gobi Desert? A village crowded with Buddhist temples, not skyscrapers. A place where there isn't a word for recluse, but a thousand words for community. Would it be crazy to go 5,000 miles from home? To spend time with people the rest of the world only reads about? To build libraries and fill them with stories? Prepare a meal with food you helped grow? To teach children? and learn a thing or two about yourself. Would that be crazy? Peace Corps. Life is calling. How far will you go? 
To find out more, call 1-800-424-8580 or visit PeaceCorps.gov. Hemp Inc. is the first publicly traded company focused on growing and processing hemp right here in the United States of America. The USA is the number one importer of hemp, and as more farmers begin growing it here in the United States, Hemp Inc. stands ready with the only equipment in North America to process the crops. Hemp Inc. brings you all the latest products while continuing to educate the world about the healing benefits of this incredible plant. Go to hempinc.com. That's H-E-M-P-I-N-C.com. Stock symbol H-E-M-P on the OTC market. Do you know a nonprofit that could use more money to accomplish their mission? Are you working for a charitable cause right now and need funding to do more? Nonprofitfundraising.com is dedicated to helping nonprofits and charities raise the funds they need. Discover the best fundraising ideas of 2015 and compare your fundraising results with others. Learn how to grow your organization and connect with more supporters at nonprofitfundraising.com. That's nonprofitfundraising.com. Welcome back to Up Close with Chris Tinney. To call in and be part of the show, dial 1-866-472-5788 from anywhere in North America. That's 1-866-472-5788. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to Up Close with Chris Tinney. Our guest today, Dr. Gerald Epling, who's at the forefront of research into to what they call... Uh, Bio, what do they call that, Doctor? Phenomenal bioelectric Phenom- biocommunication. Phenomenal Phen- biocommunication, which is the communication from one life form to another. Is that correct? Exactly right. Wow! And we've got done talking, folks, about the research he's done and the experiments he did with plants and how they showed a, a reaction that was measurable. And that's what he got his PhD in, as a matter of fact. And then he began branching out into some other areas. I love this message because it shares how connected we are and, and, and how whether you think something's having an effect on you or not, or whether you think you're having an effect on other things, they really are. And they're affecting us in so many ways that we don't know. And that's why I was so excited to have him on today to, to share with us his new research around energetic psychology and how you can shift your consciousness. Now, we talked a little bit about the experiments that you did, uh, Gerald. Can you share with us a little bit about the stress energy? I know that you started looking at that. You know, when you mentioned your experiments, it was when you went to think about burning a leaf or, or something that was stressful that you got the biggest reaction. I would assume that it's probably the same way with the human body. It is. It was, it was shocking how similar it was to the stress response that you see in people when you have uh, electrodes on their skin and, and you see them go under stress. And that's one of the things that made me realize that the plant studies were absolutely worth looking into. Uh, it, it's just incredible. The, the time between the responses is greater for a plant than a person, but the level and the activity is no less interesting or no less active or energetic. A plant, you water it once every seven to ten days in the case of Dracaena, and you get a wonderful response out of it. And that was one of the things I did to exp- extend Cleve's work. I tried to find out why that plant stopped responding. And the answer was it was satisfied. It didn't need any more water. When it needed some water, then it's, it'll go ahead and give the response. But that's, that's biocommunication that's pretty well understood. You've got the water in hand, you pour it in the pot, you get the response. Or biocommunication through pollens or chemical messengers. It's very specialized study, but it's fairly well understood. But this thing, if you take a leaf off of a bell pepper, put it on your desk in your office, wire it up to a really good physiological amplifier, go out in the backyard, plant a bell pepper and water it, and the leaf in on your desk shows an energy rise right at the time you planted and watered that bell pepper. That's new. That's phenomenal biocommunication. But back to the stress. Stress People say a lot of things about stress. Stress can be good. You have a baseball game. If you like to play ball, you go, you get to swing the bat, run around the bases. But it's fun. You're not really pushing yourself beyond your limits or beyond what you think you need to do. But there are other types of stress that are not good for you, stresses that are always there and always around you. And this sort of stress can engage the the limbic system. It can get the adrenaline flowing in your blood. And when that flows, you're really excited. You're keyed up. 
the blood goes away from the internal organs, uh, reproductive organs are de denied a lot of uh, blood, the, the brain doesn't get as much blood flow, the blood goes to the muscles, there's glucose, sugar released into the blood so that the muscles are ready to respond, and the, you, you don't really have a lot of uh, focus on thinking or being logical when you're really aroused in that way. Eventually, because you can't well, go on, the, the cortisol's released and, and the stress drops, but then you've got high cortisol levels. And high cortisol levels are, are associated with high blood pressure. You also get uh, glucose, well, there's the glucose issues, but there are the cholesterol issues too. Uh, lipids, cholesterol, triglycerides, all your blood chemistry where the doctor shakes his head and says, oh, you got to watch these things. This cholesterol's bad. That's, you get that from stress. But there are some things we can do about it, and that's a good deal. From my studies in neuroscience and physiology and keeping up with the literature, I learned that you can walk for about 20 minutes when you're really stressed, and it'll start to make that, that energy drop. You'll get what might be called an over-energy adjustment. The adrenaline tends to go out of your blood, the cholesterol comes in, and you start burning up the glucose because you're using the strongest, largest muscles in your body to walk. But what could you do if you don't have 20 or 30 minutes? What could you do if you need just something to bring you back psychologically right away? That would be an over-energy correction. And a simple way to do that, say you're, you're looking at a lot of materials and you get very stimulated... You, you see new things, it's hard to understand. What you can do is just take your hand and put it on your chest like you're going to say the Pledge of Allegiance to the United States and then put the other hand, left hand, bring it up and lay it over your right hand and just with your arms folded across your chest, there will start to be an energy correction and it will help you regain that peaceful, composed feeling. So that's a nice energy correction that I learned from what I've recently been studying, which is called energy psychology. And I, well, I like it. I, I want to talk more about the energy psychology and how we can actually shift our consciousness. But I, I got to take a minute and ask you about this latest blog post on bioexperience.com about electromagnetic fields. So you've ah. shared with us the plants, you've shared with us um, our own body. But when we go to a place like the vortex that you mentioned in Sedona on the trail, how do these places that we go to, can they affect us both negative and positively as well? Is it, is it our own memories and reaction that we bring to these experiences, or is it the actual environment that's affected us? Because I, I was reading one of your papers before the show about eyesight and how, you know, are we really seeing it or are we acting from memory? And I'm wondering if that's similar to when we're experiencing things when we're in what people call an energetic vortex. Yes, the energetic vortex. If... If your body adjusts to a place and you're sensitive to your body, you might start sensing things that are really there. Um, there's always the placebo effect that could be interfering. But a general rule of thumb, I'll go to a place and try to experience it, walk around, be there for about 20 minutes before I ever really uh, start taking good notes. I, I'll take note of what I'm looking at. I'm more or less absorbing the area in my mind as I look at it rather than going into my mind, pulling something else and writing things down. And so it was with the airport vortex in Sedona, Arizona. Uh, we drove in from Flagstaff and went up this winding little road and found a place that was, it looked like a national park or something. It was just, it had a nice pullout, large parking areas for a mountain area. It was generous parking. I got out of the car, I looked around, I felt it. I felt it driving up. I felt it maybe 12 feet before I got to the level where the vortex has been identified and noted by many people. I parked the car and I thought, well, I, maybe I'm, this could be the placebo effect because I feel it here. And I walked over and I, and I read a marker that was put out and it said, you're in it. It's all around. And I thought, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you always want to check how you feel with other people's uh, senses, you know, and, and maybe you have something unique. Maybe you don't, but, you know, it's good to check and see that other people see it. Then I started uh, walking down the trail 
and I saw some large, what looked like microwave towers, and I thought, well, now that's odd. I wonder if that'll throw it off. And then I thought back to my electrical engineering days, and I thought, well, you know, it's different frequency. Compared to the Earth, it's really not much of a signal, because the Earth, although the signals that I looked at were very small, they were riding on a very large electromagnetic field of the Earth, which is immensely powerful. So I thought, okay, I can probably not worry about those. I walked past them. And I got to an area, and I looked at some trees, and I saw how they had grown, and they'd grown with twist in the, in the bark. And I looked around for wind patterns that might come, you know, is this, is this a valley, is this a wind tunnel area? And, and some places, you know, there was maybe a little more wind. Some places there wasn't quite as much, but many of the trees seemed to be turned in a similar direction. And I thought, well, I, that's unique. Uh, then I started sensing something in my feet. And I thought, hmm, okay. So when I do that, I usually get out a, an instrument I call a magnetometer. It reads magnetic, magnetic fields. And it was set up to read microteslas. So uh, a tenth of a Gauss is uh, well represented on the scale. And I turned it on, and I wasn't really getting anything. So I thought, well, okay, that may not be the energy that you would see here. Maybe, maybe not. But then I thought, hmm. Maybe I need to get closer to the ground. So I put it down on a rock, and the signal came in. It was unmistakable. It was clear. It was the pulse that you can see if you go to bioexperience.com and look at the latest blog. And I thought, okay, this is good. <laughs> but is it just this area? So I walked down the trail quite a ways further. Everywhere I stopped, it was there. I made several recordings uh, I felt like I'd had a breakthrough, which for me it was, because it was just so clear. And and then I thought, well, I should look through other recordings that I have, because I've made magnetic recordings in many places around the world. And I started to see it showing up when I looked at the recordings in a certain way. And I realized what happened in Sedona was my instrument was laid directly on the ground. It was flat, and the energy was coming straight up out of the ground. If I turn the instrument at an angle, there's some, some things that happen in the instrument that make it harder to see that signal because it's a small signal on a huge field of the whole Earth. But it, it was exciting. So everywhere I go now that I have some time, I, I look for it. When I was in Virginia, I went recently to see Monte, Monticello, and it was beautiful. I've always enjoyed the gardens there that Jefferson had and the, the estate, the huge trees, the fact that he loved those trees and did what he could to maintain them. And I found it. It was there, but it was, it was not at the same angle. Had to carefully adjust my instruments, get them a certain distance from the ground. But now that I know what I'm looking for, I just keep looking till I find it. Wow! And and where could this research lead? Are you able to catalog these these recordings and and then begin to identify this is an energy that will make people feel this way. This is an energy that would make people feel that way. Maybe you could share with us where this where this is headed. I have. When I, at one place I went to a couple of years ago, it was a really happy energetic field. And it was, it was so happy. I actually pulled out my magnetometer there and just started recording as I walked around because it felt really good. And I thought to myself, someday I'm going to take this back home, hook it up to a speaker, take out the sound cone, and have it go ahead and generate the electromagnetic field and put it under my pillow at night because this was nice. Oh, that would be good. <laughs> yeah. I haven't done that yet, but you know, someday I think I will do something like that because it was just wonderful. And then I've recorded fields over lakes and fields uh, on the land near lakes, fields uh, in around the United States. And, and I am developing a catalog and a listing of some of these fields and my subjective response to them. Um, having the actual data and taking notes about the angle of the instrument is going to really help somebody who might want to come and understand what's going on inside the earth and work out those details. But for me, I'm working on the psychological variables. Well, and what got you first thinking about manipulating these energetic fields to, to change them from a good feeling to a bad feeling? Or I guess you're not doing that. You're going from a bad feeling to a good feeling. <laughs> what, what was it that led you to even think that you it would be possible to, to shift these, these fields? Is that, is that, am I describing it correctly? Mm -hmm. or are you actually shifting your energy to affect it? When I, when I go and measure the earth, 
I'm just measuring what I find. You know, it's a gift from God to have the earth, and so I go measure it. But the energetic fields that one can shift inside your body, um, once you learn to recognize them, then you can become very good at it. By example, uh, in Tibet, they, they have bowls that they'll use, and they'll make different sounds that are very relaxing. And if you record those and trace them back, they look like uh, delta signals, what you would get off of a human brain in delta consciousness. So if you just give the mind an example or an indication, often it will pick up with it and the brain and the unconscious will work with you to achieve the desired effect. That's why it's so important to think good thoughts. Yeah, our friend the Yogi Zen dude. I've had him on the show before, and that's he's he does crystal singing bowls. And I how did uh, you know who I was thinking of? <laughs> yeah, he, he moved to India two weeks ago, so I he tells know. me the energy down there is amazing. Well, this oh, this is a fascinating conversation. You're listening to Up Close with Chris Tinney. We have Dr. Gerald Epling on the phone today, a, a neuroscientist, and he's sharing his latest research and and what he, he's been looking at the, the, the over the past years. I, well, you've got more than two decades of experience in the research of, of this stuff. I, I it's an honor to have you on the show, My folks. When we come back, we're going to talk about how you can actually put this into practice. How you can shift your own energy in what he calls energetic psychology. And we'll find out whether the government can use that to manipulate us, make us feel a certain way. Remember that Facebook, uh, remember Facebook did that experiment, uh, Gerald, where they, they put negative posts in people's feeds and they all got depressed Yes, to a half a million yes. people. <laughs> you know, I wonder if there's more of that going on. Well, stay tuned, folks, so you can find out and protect yourself. We'll be right back after this break. Do you know a nonprofit that could use more money to accomplish their mission? Are you working for a charitable cause right now and need funding to do more? Nonprofitfundraising.com is dedicated to helping nonprofits and charities raise the funds they need. Discover the best fundraising ideas of 2015 and compare your fundraising results with others. Learn how to grow your organization and connect with more supporters at nonprofitfundraising.com. That's nonprofitfundraising.com. What would happen if you didn't follow the established path? If you did the unexpected? Would you feel scared? Proud? Relieved? Could you explain that helping the people of Peru improve their own community would also have an effect on your own? Or assisting an entrepreneur in Ukraine to launch her small business? Or creating a support group in Malawi for children orphaned by AIDS? What if you established your own path? One that others might follow? Would you rather make your own way? Or spend your life saying, what if? Life is calling. How far will you go? Peace Corps. To find out more, call 1-800-424-8580. Or go to peacecorps.gov. To Up Close with Chris Tinney. To call in and be part of the show, dial 1-866-472-5788 from anywhere in North America. That's 1-866-472-5788. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to Up Close with Chris Tinney. We're talking to Dr. Gerald Epling and he's sharing his research that he's done into electromagnetic fields, how they affect the one species to another, from plants to people, from one person to another. We got done sharing some of these places around the planet where they they have different kinds of energy and his his recordings that he's done out there and how he worked with that. Um, one of the things that, that, Doctor, before we continue on here, because I know we're now we're, we've laid the groundwork, we're about to hit the good stuff where people can actually learn to shift their consciousness and shift the way they feel, which just really excites me. But before I ask you about that, I just have to ask, is this something that could be used by people to manipulate people? Is this something that people should be concerned about? Or is this, do, do you maintain control of your, your own energy? Knowledge is power. If you know it's coming, you can make preparations and you can be safe and secure and happy. Uh, what I have studied for over a year now is called Comprehensive Energy Psychology. And the people that have taught it to me 
are with an organization that is dedicated to comprehensive energy psychology. And I'll tell you, they're a bunch of fine people. I've learned some great stuff. I've had some good times. I go to a conference there for a week, and I've got enough energy for the rest of the year. Uh, so the things that they teach are generally things that will help you, things that will make you feel better. And that's what I intend to bring out to the world. At the same time, there are some things that people might do to you that can make you feel uneasy or not so good. That's why God made legs. You can walk away. You don't have to, to stay around people who are trying to manipulate you or control you. This sort of psychology is not like the, the psychology you can push through a computer. It has to involve, pretty much, it has to involve people. Um, it's it has that in common with the studies that I did with plants. I take a leaf off of a bell pepper, put it in this room, go out in the garden, plant another bell pepper, water it. The leaf in the room responds positively. But notice there's no wire between them. The transmitter and the receiver is the leaf and and the plant. They they go back and forth sending energy. So you want to have someone with a good ethic good energy uh, stream, and good intentions to work with you in energy psychology. And fortunately, there are a lot of people that I've met that seem to fit that bill. So I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about the things that I teach on the air now or the things that will go over. But I will say that I have edited some of the things I know from my, my background of many different views of the mind neuroscience, abnormal psychology, cognitive psychology, energy psychology, and I have selected what I think are the best things for the audience. Well, I know I did on the break, I did that last, uh, that last exercise you shared with us, putting that, like you're crossing your heart with your arms and to bring the energy back in. And I, you can definitely feel it. I mean, the minute you, you, you do that. So I, I know it's working. It, it, so is this all originating in the brain? Is that, is that where it's happening at? And did you identify any particular areas of, of interest that, that relate to, to these kinds of transmissions or shifts? I did. They're, all the classical things that you find in neuroscience, are um, they respond to the energy psychology activities. By example, every memory that you make we think goes through a thing called the temporal lobe. And that's a lobe of your brain that, that's horizontal to the ground. It's a few inches behind the eyes. And it goes toward the back of your brain. And it's, you know, maybe an inch and a half wide, something like that. In that temporal lobe, buried deep inside toward the front, there are two little almond-shaped subjects, one on the right side of your brain and one on the left side of your brain. And these are connected and just right next to the hippocampal formation, which goes further along the temporal lobe, comes to the back of the brain and then connects in. Now, this is interesting because the amygdala is known to be associated with any sort of excitement you have in life. Good, bad, fun, not fun. The amygdala is going to be right there giving you an opinion. You go to the store, you look for something for dinner, you like chocolate cake, you see a chocolate cake, the amygdala says, oh, let's go get that. I like that. Let's have that. <laughs> And so you have to. I think sometimes mine's a little overactive when I'm at the store. I'll have to do the other six exercises and ring, reel my amygdala back in so I'm not buying all the cake. Frontal lobes. Frontal lobes, the executive function. You've got to do that. You've got to oh, tell, you, go. you tell your body stories. That's yeah. what I'm lacking. Just, just look at the cake and say, you know, I know it looks good now and I know it tastes good, but it's not going to be good for me. And I want to feel good and I want to be well. And then eventually, with this sort of affirmation, this sort of an approach, you can get to the point where it's not such a calling item. But the amygdala is right there. It's you know, it's got its hand up. Uh, somebody walks in the room, you like them. Oh, that's a neat person. I like that person. Somebody walks in the room, you don't like them. Ooh, I don't like that person. This is the amygdala. It's where you see that response in the human brain quickest. There are things like the over-energy correction that, I, that we taught earlier that actually can calm the amygdala. There are things in energy psychology that you can do that can be shown to calm activity in the amygdala, which is kind of nice because then the frontal lobes kick in, you can think about it, and you can do more of the things that you think you should do and you probably should do. But uh, I, I do like that about it, that the things you do all seem to connect up. And there are what they call meridians. There are energy pathways in the body 
that some of them correlate to the nervous system, some of them seem to correlate to the lymph system, and some of them seem to correlate to the interstitial tissues in the body. These are the little connective tissues that may produce uh, your own primitive cells, and these primitive cells can come out and then become things that you need, like uh, another heart cell or another piece of muscle, uh, whatever's needed. So there are these energy pathways are very important to us, whether we know about them or not, so we may as well learn a little bit about them. Well, it sounds like if you were able to, to be aware of them and know how to, for lack of a better way to put it, give them what they want or need, <laughs> it could be a real source <laughs> of healing, both physically and emotionally. Absolutely, and that is where it really gets exciting. There's healing for for certain conditions in many different ways. Uh, you know, if you metastatic cancer, go to a doctor, you know, because you need to have the tumor dealt with. Um, but if you have something that, you know, you be a little uneasy in your stomach about something and you, you really have a hard time dealing with it, uh, every time you go into a room, you, you feel uneasy, well, there's an energy psychology correction for that that you can apply. And, the corrections are very, very simple. You just tap on a portion of the body that seems to be somehow energetically connected with a symptom. And then you look around and you say, wow, that doesn't bother me anymore. It's subjective, but subjective's good sometimes. Wow. And so what are some of the, what are the areas that you're looking into then? Are you looking into, is it, is it physical exercises? Is it affirmations? Is it a combination of all of the above? What, what is the, the prescription <laughs> that you see that would benefit people the most? I think what would benefit people the most is education. Um, and, I, and I say that because I, I look at studies in the literature that show mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, which can help people if they have a, a depressive episode and then they don't want to go back and relapse into depression. But when people study this and tease it apart, they find that the education, the cognitive psychological education, is about the same as the mindfulness-based cognitive therapy and is about the same as drug therapy for this specific condition. Uh, so that tells me that there's something about education that's really special. I know that if you want to raise a community or raise up a group of people and make their lives better, the one thing that you can count on really helping them is good quality education. So I think education about how these, uh, these places on the body can be sensed, what can be done as a sort of self-care, I think that's very important. If you can avoid getting sick, that's a lot better than having to, to go to extremes to try to get your health back. I'm all about people. I like people. I want people to be happy, do well, prosper, and be healthy. Oh, that is awesome. Well, I'll tell you what. Do you have some more exercises like the one you shared with us earlier that you could share with us? I do. I'll tell you what. Let's, let's knock out this next break. This is our last one, folks. And when we come back... We're going to get some more exercises from Dr. Gerald Epling on how you can shift your consciousness. This will blow your mind. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I'm Elena. I have a master's degree in giving hope to children in Ethiopia. I'm John. My farm experience helped villagers in the Philippines feed themselves. I'm Nanaya. I have a degree in making an impact for generations to come. If you have a degree in agriculture, the environment, or teaching English, you actually have a degree in doing more than you ever thought possible. Peace Corps volunteers can truly make a difference in the lives of people all over the world. With your skills and education, you could help create an irrigation system for a small village in Paraguay, or share new teaching methods to educators in Moldova. The experiences you'll gain in the Peace Corps will stay with you forever. This is your chance to make a real difference, a difference only you can make. Explore how the Peace Corps can fit into your future. Visit peacecorps.gov. My resume. My resume. My resume now includes changing lives. Do you know a nonprofit that could use more money to accomplish their mission? Are you working for a charitable cause right now and need funding to do more? Nonprofitfundraising.com is dedicated to helping nonprofits and charities raise the funds they need. 
Discover the best fundraising ideas of 2015 and compare your fundraising results with others. Learn how to grow your organization and connect with more supporters at nonprofitfundraising.com. That's nonprofitfundraising.com. Hemp Inc. is the first publicly traded company focused on growing and processing hemp right here in the United States of America. The USA is the number one importer of hemp, and as more farmers begin growing it here in the United States, Hemp Inc. stands ready with the only equipment in North America to process the crops. Hemp Inc. brings you all the latest products while continuing to educate the world about the healing benefits of this incredible plant. Go to hempinc.com. That's H-E-M-P-I-N-C.com. Stock symbol H-E-M-P on the OTC market. Welcome back to Up Close with Chris Tinney. To call in and be part of the show, dial 1-866-472-5788 from anywhere in North America. That's 1-866-472-5788. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to Up Close with Chris Tinney. And we're our, guest, our very special guest today is Dr. Gerald Epling, a neuroscientist who's done research into how different species interact with each other, the magnetic fields that are used to, to create that communication and the effect that it has. And I love this because this show is about people that are up to something and, and uh, Gerald is definitely up to something. He's on to something too. And, and I also, you know, I like it because it reinforces in my mind, it doesn't really matter what religion you are or what your faith is. It, it proves that we are connected. We are connected in ways that I, we I haven't even begun to understand. And, you know, there's people that say you should take care of yourself, be happy. They asked uh, Buddha, what's the number one thing you can do to help the world? And, and he's, you know, he said, be happy. And because when you're happy, you're connected to everybody else. So you should feel guilty when you're not just kidding, when you're depressed. <laughs> but, but we have those kinds of people. They walk in a room and they, and they bring everything down. Well, there's science, this is the scientific research that shows how that's happening, that it is happening. And now we're going to talk to Dr. Epling about how we can counteract that, things we can do or need to know. I love the fact that he said education is really the key because, boy, doctor, isn't that the, the key to so many things in life, whether it's you know, homelessness, hunger, uh, taking care of the plant, being happy, your relationships? I mean, it, it's really about getting educated so that you can understand it and comprehend it. And now we're understanding why, because that's triggering all sorts of things in your brain that are, that are actually shifting the way you think about that. Exactly. It's, knowledge is power. It's an amazing tool. Uh, oh, I, well, let, I me, saw... let me ask you this. We've got about 10 minutes left here. Can you share with us uh, some things that you think that we could put into practice or do that would help us shift our consciousness or, or feel differently when we want. Sure. Here's an easy one. Say you're out in your business day, you're doing whatever you do. You know, it's going to look a little funny if you put your hands on your chest while you're talking to somebody. But what if you just look down and, and look at the knuckles on your left hand and in between the knuckle of the little finger and the ring finger, that little area there, come back, oh, maybe an inch from the knuckles and just tap lightly on that point. That is the, it's called the triple warmer. It gives you a nice reset. And often all we really need is a little reset to put the pieces together. You walk into a room, you see something going on, you're not sure what it is. Uh, over time, you find that there's a lot of social interaction. You're not sure where people are going with what they're doing. Maybe you start to feel a little anxious because anxiety comes from what's coming in the future most of the time. So if you have a little anxiety, just uh, give a little tap right there. You can just do it two, three times, you know, tap some, and then stop. No one's really going to notice. You could even uh, fold your hand across your, your ch chest and, and just tap it. So that's a really good one to do that's non-obvious that can be very helpful. If you have concerns about the past then sometimes past issues that are unresolved will creep into your mind consciously and probably even more insidious is when they creep into your unconscious because your unconscious mind is your best friend. If you say, 
I want to be happy. It says, all right, let's do that. But if you say, hmm, I think I'm going to look back at something that was a traumatic experience. It made me feel bad. I think it was the worst day of my life. It says, okay, we'll go there. Let's just be depressed. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, be nice to your unconscious. Try to focus on good things. And to the extent you can stay in present time, you're like, like a person who's sitting at a table with all of the elements of life in front of them. Nothing's hidden because you're in present time. I'm not saying that you're going to get everything or be omnipotent and totally aware of everything in the world, but as far as your world, you can be aware of your world in present time much better than if you have part of your mind worrying about what happened last week or worried about when you get the car out of the shop, is that a transmission sound or was that an air conditioner sound or did the kids drop more stuff down the vent? You know, it's you want to stay right in present time, you avoid anxiety, you avoid depression, you avoid any any bit of that. Now, a good way to do that is to look at things as if you've never seen them before, as if it's the very first time. And this involves engaging your senses because while you're there, you know, how did it smell? What temperature is it? How do you feel about it? These are all really good things to do. And that's part of mindfulness that will help you go really long ways in life. So if you want to go ahead and manipulate to different states of consciousness, There's a pretty good roadmap that exists already. If you need to go to sleep, you want to go for a thing called delta. And this is a low-frequency tone. This, if you just hear something that has a beat frequency at uh, about two-tenths of a cycle per second to maybe three-and-a-half cycles per second, your unconscious gets the message that says, oh, yeah, okay, this is sleep time. Have you ever been in a doctor's office and maybe they have something in the in the vents and it's just a really low hum or a computer with a low hum? Right, yeah. Or just somewhere, you know, you start getting sleepy. That's your mind wow. trying to get into delta. It's restorative. It's the great way to sleep. There's deep, dreamless rest. Delta's fine, but don't do it when you're driving. <laughs> Theta. <laughs> One step up, three and a half hertz to seven and a half hertz. This is where you have a lot of creative activity. You can branch out and become imaginative. Now, imagination's not as much fun, in my opinion, as creativity or just observing what's really in the environment. Because in, mag- in imagination, it's like you've got something in your head and now you're going to write it down on a piece of paper. Only you're writing into the memories that you're forming. But with creativity and you're looking, you're just taking it all in. Maybe you see connections, but it's really nice and engaging to get your attention out. Theta is the doorway to intuition. It's the doorway to creativity. And that doorway, you you get to choose what you do when you get in there. If you want to feel good, 7.5 hertz to 13 hertz is alpha. This is linked to relaxed awareness, good relationships, and feeling connected. Alpha brainwave amplitude diminishes as we age. So if you can get some alpha brainwave modulator or something that will show your alpha brainwaves in some way, it could be a picture, a sign, a light that comes on or off, you can sometimes deepen that alpha wave again. Now notice all these things are like 13 hertz and less. I can't hear that. Can you? No. I don't know. Probably no. not. Well, are there machines that actually we can, that people can get that, that will measure the the whether you're in a theta wave or a delta wave, or, or are there tools out there for home use? I don't know of a tool for home use. I've got one, but I made it myself. But the tools for home use are, are um, I, I don't know of any that anyone has on the market now, but they're fun. They're f- but to get there, all, one way you can do is hear something that's, that's pulsating at, say, 4 hertz if you want to go to theta. And another way you can do it, you can play a tone in one ear that's, say, 100 hertz and a tone in the other ear that's 104 hertz. Your brain will hear the difference, and it will start to make a 4 hertz setup in your brain. You get a nice synchronization, and the hemispheres work together. So those are two ways you can do it. Beta, Beta you could probably hear. It's up to 28 hertz. It's a low tone, but 13 to 28 There's a thing called high beta, which is about 30 to 36, 37 hertz. It's okay to go there if you do it naturally. Like say you're doing a math problem and you are into it and no one else is in the room, doors closed. You're just there with a paper and you're working, 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 working. You might hit high beta. The other time you hit high beta is anxiety, so I don't have any products that take you to high beta. 
And then there's, of course, the out-of-body experience at gamma, which is 38 to 100 hertz. That's interesting, too. But you can do that just by hearing the tones. So these are ways to get there. What, so what's your thoughts on an out-of-body experience? That's obviously not taking place, like maybe it is, in the brain. In the brain. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? that since, I mean, that is literally energy that people are, are, are thinking is moving outside of their own body, correct? Correct. And it's, I've heard it described many ways, and it comes back to people... The, the evidence is people will see or hear things that they're not supposed to have seen or heard at a distance. And there are a few, a few records of that. Um, if you just look at the brain and what the brain is doing, I think you miss a lot of the importance of the experience. And it is a very subjective experience to be out of body. Um, just as it's a very subjective experience to be in, in any of these states of consciousness, the higher the frequency the more opportunity for something to happen that is either immensely good or maybe not so good, but higher frequency, more activity. Dr. Epley, what, so you've, your website, bioexperience.com, I know this is a, a new property and you've have some great posts on there right now. What kinds of things are people going to enjoy if they, as they visit bioexperience over the next few months? Ah, okay, we've got the... The neuroscience things are up there, but over the next few months, I'm going to write about what I'm discovering, this, this frequency coming out of the earth. This is new and interesting and intriguing, and that may be revisited. That may be tied. I'm, I'm looking at making some sound products that people could play and hear that would give them the experience of this electromagnetic field. It would be an auditory experience that would be analogous to the electromagnetic experience. And my initial studies show that it is somewhat invigorating just to hear this sort of a thing coming in through the earphones. So they can look for that. Uh, there'd be more writing because I just see things and, I, and I'm blown away and I think, wow, I've got to go look into that. And then I look into it and then I think, hmm, I should tell someone. <laughs> so. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing with us today. I, uh, the, the folks, you're the first to hear of his, of his latest research and findings and, and his new bioexperience.com where he's sharing this with everybody. These are some awesome exercises. Thank you, Dr. Epling, for being on the show with us today. We appreciate it. It's my pleasure, Chris. Thank you. Folks, don't forget, the show doesn't stop. It's not just about this one hour. I want, you, I, I want to connect with you during the week. Let's be friends. <laughs> you can like us on Facebook. If you go to ChrisTenney.com, you'll find links to all sorts of places where you can connect with other listeners, connect with myself on Goodreads, uh, Kindle Goodreads, our group there where we find authors, and online as well. So thank you for joining us on Up Close with Chris Tenney. This is the end of the show. You don't have to let the conversation end now. Visit ChrisTinney.com to learn more about today's topic. Listen to past shows and connect with like-minded people. Up Close with Chris Tinney is broadcast live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel and rebroadcast online and throughout North America in select markets. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing, and we'll see you next week on Up Close with Chris Tinney.